well. We, the members of East Lansing Trinity Church, having duly considered the teachings of Christ and the Apostolic Church, do herein set forth our convictions and beliefs in the matters of Christian doctrine. Regarding the Holy Scriptures, we believe in the plenary and verbal inspiration of the whole Bible. God has imparted his message to the minds and hearts of his appointed servants so that the very words of the original texts have been given to mankind by God himself. This historical document is made a live reality by the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Regarding God, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. We believe in God, a spirit and a person, infinite, eternal, and immutable in being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth, sovereign. Regarding the Holy Trinity, we believe that the essential nature of God is single and unique, but yet is manifest in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and that these three are one God. They constitute the eternal Godhead. Regarding God the Father, the eternal one, whose fatherly love is forever bestowed upon Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, and upon all true believers who are his children. Regarding God the Son, the one who is equal in every divine distinction with God the Father, he is the eternal Logos and only begotten Son, coexistent with the Father. Without any essential change in his divine person, he became man in the fullness of time by the miracle of virgin birth, thus to continue forever as both true God and true man, and one person with two natures. This second person of the triune God, Jesus of Nazareth and Messiah, the Christ, has been manifest by his miraculous and supernatural birth, by his holy and supernatural life on earth, by his suffering and death, according to the scriptures, by his bodily resurrection from the dead, and by his miraculous and bodily ascent into heaven, where he now intercedes for his own. Regarding God, the Holy Spirit, the one who is the third person of the triune God, equal in every divine perfection with God the Father and God the Son, eternal. He convinces the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, convicts and regenerates sinners who believe and indwells, baptizes, seals, empowers, guides, teaches, and sanctifies all who become children of God through Christ. Regarding man, and regarding creation, we believe that man was the direct creation of God, spirit, soul, and body, that God created man in his own likeness and divine image for fellowship and communion with himself, that man was created without sin. But regarding fall, we believe that Adam, the first man, disobeyed God's explicit command and thereby fell into sin through transgression, that Adam, the natural head of the human race, thus became a sinful creature and the progenitor of a fallen race who are universally sinful in both nature and practice. The man, therefore, is totally depraved in the sense that his whole being is affected and cursed by sin so that he cannot, in this state, please God. He is unrighteous and lost. He is unrighteous in an absolute sense and can only accomplish relative good. He is guilty and condemned in his natural state and completely lost apart from God. But regarding redemption, we believe that man's redemption is accomplished only through the complete, sufficient, vicarious atonement of Jesus Christ who shed his blood for our sin, the just for the unjust. The Holy Spirit convicts and regenerates a man so that there is an immediate turning in faith to Christ for pardon and for redemption. Salvation is the free gift of God to man received only by personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Man justified by faith in Christ Jesus is saved 
and has a new position of righteous and holy standing before God, in which he is called a son of God by virtue of his having become a new creation in Christ Jesus through spiritual regeneration. Redeemed man, thus placed before God in Christ, is to walk in newness of life through the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And at death, the spirits and souls of those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation pass immediately into his presence and there remain in conscious bliss until the resurrection of the glorified body, whereupon soul and body reunited shall be associated with him forever and ever in glory. Regarding future events, we believe that our Lord Jesus Christ will return personally and bodily to glorify his people and mete out rewards of his own. After this, he will bring eternal conscious judgment upon the wicked and upon Satan. And regarding the church, we believe that the true church is made up of believers from all nations who are baptized into one body by the Holy Spirit. This personal relationship to Christ, according to the New Testament, along with the expressed intention of walking with him, are the only conditions to be met for membership in the local church. Amen. I've seen people take emotionally healthy spirituality and then say, oh, I could do this with my neighbors or stopping into the resource center. I have a friend who's going through this. Do you have something that we could, you know, work through together? Like that, I love, love, love that we're getting the idea that this is something for us all to be a part of. It's not just coming to Sunday morning, downloading a message, mm -hmm. and then going on with our week, but that this is a day-to-day, -day, all day long, with our relationships, and that we can all, we all have a, a role to play. Yeah, Super really good. We ask the question, is it happening? Is disciple-making happening? And, and in pockets literally all uh, over this church, it's happening. That's a part of discipling. Um, uh, we, you know, there are individuals who are walking with people and, and, and discipling them, and so it's happening. And, and my, my prayer is we want more. Yeah. We want absolutely more of, uh, we want to see all of Trinity Church discipling at least one person. Um, the signs of life I see um, starts with just the community being built between our elders at Trinity. My time uh, with our elders uh, is just a time that is rich, it's yeah. encouraging, and I see the enthusiasm for our elder team wanting to talk about discipleship, wanting to st tell stories of disciple making what they see, what they're participating in. There's just a, there's a fun, there's an excitement. I think another sign of life that I can appreciate is just the empowering of different voices, um, where as we discover through emo emotionally healthy relationships or different types of classes, or just being in community um, with other people that, um, just with the way that the prayer team has uh, used their voice to, to pray on behalf and with and for others, the way that, um, people from the worship team have just really wanted to share more. So it feels less about um, performance or the church provides this for me and more of like, I am the church. I am part of that. And the things that we have to contribute are not only meaningful and valuable, they're unique and we, uh, we are more complete. We're better together because of their voice. You know, one thing that the elders did that affected us as deacons was your expansion of role of women within the church. And what that did was allow us then to have women deacons, which has just been a real, real godsend for us to be able to have a woman's perspective uh, when we're dealing with deacon cases. And we have our first woman deacon. We've seen a lot of this at Trinity over the years, like a diversity of voices, whether it's ethnically, whether it's generationally or whatever. But like, I think being able to say like, wow, we got a chance to hear Ann Cody speak. We've seen our students lead us in worship. And one of the most singularly impactful things for me was literally seeing like, well, the church ended. They're still going, right? <laughs> like they're still like, well, we got the next service needs to start in 10 minutes and they're like, they're still going. Like, you know, it, it felt really fun to be at the end of the second service and to realize, I think our students are just gonna keep worshiping. It, it was a um, great summer for Next Gen Ministries, whether that's our college students or our high school students and our students at um, VBS and The Blast, but the Holy Spirit is here and the Holy Spirit brings life and gives life and we get to see it in our students. And that life that started continues on and bleeds. You would be so encouraged to know and to see um, our students who on their own, worshiping and praising God, praying God, spending time with God, discipling each other. Students met with one student on Sunday and said, I'm ready to disciple another student. 
I don't really want to, but I know this is what God is telling me to do. Uh, we've seen a relaunch of our partnership at Gardner International Magnet School, and just the number of times we've been able to see Trinity people show up for things like greeting kids on the first day of school, or cleaning up before everything, and doing everything from mulch to you know cleaning up and things like that, and then to be highly integrated with just thanking the Gardner teachers and staff with donuts and coffee and bagels, and then to go beyond that, um, kind of like you were talking about, Carolyn, like this was our first launch of our Mission Possible disciple-making journey so that we actually had people who said, no, I really would like to be able to experience mission in the context of both local and global. We spent this last year putting in place the pieces um, of starting new life, starting with young life, putting together this Trinity Enrichment and Development Center. Uh, Trinity will have an early learning center here and God is gonna use it. We're gonna make a difference in the community. We're gonna bless families. We're gonna build faith into the hearts and lives of children and we're gonna make a huge difference even for McLaren Hospital and their staff there. So I'm beyond excited about that. We spent a year putting the pieces in place and looking forward to the next year, we're gonna see that launch. You know, another sign of life that I've seen just personally as a member of this church is just our Sunday morning gatherings. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and I just, I just feel the presence of God there. Mm -hmm. And I love looking around uh, that sanctuary um, and just seeing the diversity that we have. And to me, that's just a glimpse of what heaven's gonna look like. Amen. Uh, this person was just telling me, uh, kind of shared a little bit of their story, how they, they walked away from the Lord and they were kind of concerned, I need, I need to find a place to go. They ran into a stranger that, that noticed a, uh, a necklace they were wearing and basically said, hey, um, are, you, are you a Christian? They kind of had an interchange. And what was interesting is they were invited to, to join here and connect here by a person who was also processing whether they should come and attend. <laughs> they just knew about this place uh, and, and heard that like you can connect with really good people. And, and so it was just cool to see how God is, is, is bringing those relationships to people that really didn't even know each other. Uh, and then they were able to connect even deeper. And uh, yeah, so I love it. Piaz, I think of that all the time because I'm down in the children's wing and parents have to surrender their information for their kids to be dropped off. So we get to know who's here and who's visiting. And I think of our country that's filled with churches that there's never a visitor that darkens a door. And we weekly have people coming here. I believe God has drawn them. I believe they see, I believe they hear what's happening. And they're coming here, new people coming and connecting, getting involved. And that is another layer of new life, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think two things, when we're making disciples, when we are aligned, with the mission and vision that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28. He says, lo, I'll be with you. I'll give you my presence. And then also when there's unity, God, I think God gives us his presence. I think supernaturally, uh, that's what he's doing. And I think we're sensing his favor and his presence with us. And I think it's because of the, the unity that we're sensing not only among elders and deacons, but also the staff. But also, I think is that there's this deep desire to make disciples, and I think we're experiencing the presence of God in a new and fresh way, supernatural way, because we're doing, we're obeying, we're obeying His last, um, you know, His last words to us. Well, good morning. Uh, I want you to know if you haven't already uh, figured that out, that you are a part of a great church. You are part of a church, I believe, that loves Jesus and wants to see the mission of Jesus fulfilled um, as, we, um, as we make disciples, as we tell people about Jesus. And uh, you are part of that kind of church. And we are gathered here today uh, on this first Sunday in October to really be reminded of who we are. Reminded of who we are as a church, reminded of what kind of church you are a part of and what kind of church that God desires to use. And, um, and so I'm very, very grateful that you chose or how God has led you to this church to be a part of this church and to see this as an opportunity for you to grow, your, grow up in your faith in Jesus Christ, and we cannot tell you thank you enough for adding your voice, for your faithfulness in giving and serving. You matter, you help this church to be a great church because God has placed you in this body, and for that we are super, super grateful um, that you are part of us. So I wanna, I wanna ask a couple of questions and to kinda get us, get us going, and um, so, 
Um, what is this? A spatula, right. What is, why does a spatula exist? Not, okay, not to spank people, but okay. Uh, what's that? It's an... Oh, to pick things up from... Okay, like, like what? Hamburgers, what else? Pancakes, yeah. That, so, so this is a spatula, and it exists to either do hamburgers or, or pancakes. Uh, Tanya's going to get me for having uh, her dishes here. So uh, <laughs> what is this? Ice cream scooper. That's right. It's designed, at least it's supposed to be designed, to get, uh, to get ice cream out of the tub or out of the box or whatever it's in, the container, and put um, lots and lots of ice cream in your bowl. Okay, so that's the, that's the ice cream scooper. All right, so what is this? Ah, yeah, lemon squeezer. Uh, Connie and Larry James actually turned me on to this, and I saw it at their house. I wanted to steal it, but that, I didn't, I, that wouldn't have been right, so I went out and bought one. And, um, and so this is a lemon squeezer, and I have gotten a lot of good use out of this. And so that's, this is very helpful, so when you don't, you don't want to get the juice in your eye, you just put the half of the lemon in there, and you squeeze it into your cup of tea or whatever you drink, uh, whatever you drink. So, what is this? Hammer, okay? Hammer is designed to what? To work, all right? <laughs> to hit nails, right? To hit nails and to, and this part is to take nails out, this part. So, so there's a design for, for hammers. I don't, I don't use it as much as I probably should, but uh, what is this? Tongs, that's right. Tongs are uh, designed to do what? Yeah, to pick up things. So whether it's, it's things that are hot or uh, it, it, it's designed, it has a design. It was made with a design in mind to pick things up. All right? So, all right? So what are these? Scissors. Scissors are designed to do what? Cut. Cut your what? Your hand? No. No. Oh, my goodness. All right, make sure he doesn't get any scissors, all right? All right, so scissors have a design. So this started me thinking, out of all these things, I mean, all of these things have a design. They are used for a purpose. If they're ever misused, then that's what we call abuse. So if, if the spatula is ever used for something other than picking up burgers or pancakes, then we probably have a problem. Same thing with the ice cream scooper. If we're ever picking up some, or doing something that is out of design, then we have a problem. And same thing with all of these, uh, these utensils. So this started me asking, uh, started me this week as I looked around and I saw these things, in my house, it began, to, uh, I, it began to trigger something in my mind, and that is asking a question, a fundamental question about the local and global church, about Trinity Church and about the larger church. Why does the church exist, and why do we exist, and why does Trinity Church at 3355 Dunkel Road, why do we exist? Is it to just sing songs and come and listen to a person talk? I would say that it's probably more than that. We're gathered together in this space today um, and just to be reminded of why we exist as a church. Because here's the key, who we are determines what we do. We learned that last month when we talked about identity, who we are determines what we do. Now we did that on a, a smaller scale, that is when we talked about identity, who we are, new people in Christ, we are ambassadors, we are, um, we are children of God, and, and we should, in fact, when we go out into the world, act like it. So who we are determines what we do, but I think we can ask it on a larger scale as well, who we are as a church determines what we do. Who we are as a body, as a faith community, should determine what we do as a church. And so this morning, this morning is really all about reminding us something of what we already know, but I want to highlight it a little bit more 
for us. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Trinity Church does have a mission statement. We have a mission statement, and organizations and churches and other entities actually have mission statements to remind them of why, why they exist as an organization. And Trinity Church has a mission statement. You may not have known that. And a mission is designed um, to, det- to help a, an organization know what it does and what it's designed for. Here is Trinity's mission statement. It should be on the screen. Trinity Church exists to glorify God and to make disciples by awakening people to full life with Christ. So what I want you to do, I want you to, I want all of us to say it together. We don't do this often, and I think we should do it more so that you and I are reminded every day why we exist. So let's say it together as a church. Trinity Church exists to glorify God and make disciples by awakening people to full life with Christ. Let's say it again. Trinity Church exists to glorify God and make disciples by awakening people to full life with Christ. So this just very, very quickly, we exist as a church to glorify God. That is just to point people to God, to make God smile in all that we do and to make disciples, that is to reproduce and to produce other learners so that they might follow Jesus uh, as well. How do we do that? We pray and we fast and we want people's eyes to be open to the reality that Jesus is in fact Messiah, that Jesus is in fact Lord. That's what we pray for. We pray that when you talk with your friends and I talk with my friends, if they are far from God, we pray that you might say something or live in such a way that your friends will say your life is attractive. I want to know about the God that you serve. We want to see hundreds, if not thousands of people awakened to full life with Jesus Christ, knowing what abundant life means. Now, that's the mission statement, but we also have something called values, and values are, uh, values are who we are, things that lead our lives so that we can continue to carry out our mission. And we have basically four values. Now, before I get into the four values, I'm going to get to the passage in a few minutes, but I want to give you an idea of the church that you are part of. Now, all of us have two, uh, when we think of values, there are two types or categories of values. There are uh, aspirational values. These are things that we hope to accomplish. And then there are actual values. These are the things that we actually do. So if you do some reverse engineering, I should, you should be able to look at my life, see what I do, and actually determine what my values are. Now, so we, a lot of us, we talk our values, but we don't live our values. We say a lot of things about what we say that we believe, but when we look at the receipts in our lives, we may not be as close. So there are aspirational values, articulated values, but then there are actual values. And these are values that we hope that become actual every day of our lives. So one of those values is attentive to the spirit. Attentive to the spirit. Say it with me, attentive to the spirit. All right, y'all messed up. All right, okay. (laughs) Say it with me together. Attentive to the spirit. And this simply means this. It means that the Spirit of God comes into your life and mine once we accept Jesus, and he desires to be active in our lives, leading us on a daily basis, helping us to uh, follow Jesus every day of our lives. He helps us as we give him more room and space. Now, if we do this well, there will be two results in our lives and that is freedom and fruit. Everybody said with me, freedom. Freedom and fruit. So freedom is I am less, in, less entangled with the sinful nature and now I am producing fruit of maturity, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, goodness and self-control. So when the Spirit of God is at work in our lives, We should love more. We should be more patient. We should be more kind. And so one of the values that we want to see in all of our lives is that we are attentive to the Spirit. And when we are, we will produce, He will produce in us both freedom 
and fruit. Here's the second one. Authentic in our relationship. Say it with me. And authentic in our relationship simply means that we have this greater love and vulnerability and less defensiveness and hiding from others, that we are authentic as we interact with one another. We're not trying to manage an image. We truly are being, um, being for one another. And when we do this well, there are two results, and those two results, we will go deeper and wider. Say it with me, deeper and wider. So when you and I are living authentically, we'll see that. It is, it is the woman who, uh, who finds out that in our church that she is a match to give a kidney to someone that she's known for several years. And, and she said, I believe God has uh, uh, pretty much ordered my steps to do this. That's a deep relationship. She is sharing part of her life with another man in our church who needed a kidney. That, that is not just superficial. That is a relationship that's gone deeper. And, and, and the wider the relationship is that I am, uh, I am in increasing my circles and I am not just hanging out with people who look like me. I am hanging out with people who are white and Asian and I'm hanging out with people who are younger and older than I am. That's when, our rela- that's when you know that it's authentic when we are crossing social lines, rich and poor, when we're crossing ethnic, ethnic lines, black and white. This is what Jesus is calling his church to, to be authentic in our relationships. Amen? And then another value is to, for us to be active in our communities. Say it with me, active in our communities. And this is taking the love of Christ to both local and global environments and communities. And when we do this well, there will be two results I will be on mission, and we will be on mission. If we are doing, taking this gospel, this good news, the love and care of God into both this local setting and the global setting, I will be on mission in my neighborhood, you will be on mission in your neighborhood, and then we together will be on mission together in the world. So active in our communities. And then uh, the last value is apprenticing as our commitment. Say it with me, apprenticing as our commitment. And what this means is simply, I am watching what Jesus does. And as I'm watching what Jesus does, I'm doing what he does. And then you are doing what I do. As you're watching what Jesus does, and I watch what you do, I am doing what you do as you follow Jesus. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so apprenticing is another word for discipleship or disciple making. And that's really what a disciple is. A disciple is an apprentice. That is someone who has a skill and they actually help you to develop that skill. And Jesus is the one who apprenticed us. So that's a, those are our values. We exist to glorify God and make disciples by awakening people to full life with Christ. And we have values of being attentive to the Spirit, authentic in our relationships, active in our communities, and apprenticing as our commitment. I tell you, this is difficult. I tell you that this is nearly impossible apart from God. You know the reason why it's impossible or you know the reason why it's very difficult right now because we live in a culture where Christianity is basically cultural and congregational. We live in a community, we live in an environment where, where uh, individuals are re- deconstructing their faith and as they're deconstructing their faith, they're throwing away the foundation of the faith which is the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The reason why this is hard, because there is something called Christian consumerism, and that is feed me, give me what I want, give me what I want. If you don't give me what I want, then I'm leaving. And then there's the toxicity of this this, uh, unholy matrimony of Christianity and politics. 
where individuals are, they have made politics the God, and as a result, people who are lost and people who don't follow Jesus, they look at the Christian life, they look at the church and say, I don't want to ever be a part of that because of it, it feels toxic. And yet Jesus gives us this, he gives us this command. He gives us, it feels like the church has lost its way and it has to get back to the North Star. And I believe the North Star is found in Matthew 28, 18, and 20. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, turn with me to Matthew 28, 28, uh, 18 through 20. And if you're looking on the church that the Bible provides, it's page 835, 835. How, How do we accomplish all that God has given us. I, I think Matthew, 8, uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is the cheat code. I believe it's the cheat code for you and I and for Trinity Church to accomplish all that God has given us. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And I want us to read it together if you don't mind. 18 through 20, 28, 18 through 20, page, eight, page 835, if you're looking on the church Bible. So let's read it together. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Man, I love hearing the word of God read that way. Thank you all so much. So here, here's the one thought that I want to try to posit in these few minutes that I have with you. To be a disciple is to make disciples. To be a disciple is to make disciples. Can you say it with me? To be a disciple is to make disciples. So everyone in this room, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a disciple. Whoa, is that, does that mean a super Christian, Marvin? No, it just means, it means you are a learner and you are apprenticing with Jesus and Jesus is showing you how to do life. He is showing you how to do marriage. He is showing you how to do singleness. He is showing you how to do high school. Now, he's not gonna give you the answers to the test. You gotta study for that. <laughs> but he is showing you how to do life and we are apprenticing him, and we go and we watch him, and then we go and do it. We come back, we, and many times we're going to fail, so that means we have to go back to him, watch how we did it, and then go back out and do it again, and we'll probably get it right a little bit more. Then we go back and watch him do it again, and we, we, we follow him, and as we do, we make disciples, because to be a disciple is to make disciples. So how do we do it? How do we do it? I think there are three moves in this text that actually helps us to do this. Number one, believe in the authority of the risen king. Believe in the authority of the risen king. Jesus says in verse 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, let, the set, let me set the context. The context is Jesus died, he rose again, and now he meets with his disciples on a mountain, and he's about to give them the most amazing command, the most amazing mission that they get a chance to participate. And that mission, here it is, is to change the world. To change the world with this gospel. And Jesus gives this authority. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority from angels and demons, all authority has been given to me. All power has been given to me because you're going to need this power when you go out and try to do what I've given you to do. Your power, your strength, your wisdom, your skill will not work. You need supernatural power to accomplish what I'm going to give you. So Jesus is literally, his authority is over the entire world. Now, I know a lot of people are puzzled by that. You, it, it, like, like if, he's, if, if his authority is over the entire world, why is the world in such a mess? That's a great question. 
But, but we have to understand what Jesus was actually saying when he says, all authority has been given to me. When he rose again from the dead, he actually began the process where the entire world would be changed. That Jesus in his resurrection, he actually uh, snatched the power out of the tyranny of death and corruption and wickedness. And he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use you to actually go into the world with my authority to change the world. So that means we don't have to be afraid of Satan. We don't have to be afraid of any other power because Jesus has all power and he has delegated it to us to walk where angels fear to tread, to go where nobody has heard the gospel, to go to unreached people groups and say, we are here with the gospel of Jesus. Why? Not on our own authority, not on the authority of Trinity Church, on the authority of the risen king, the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. We go in his authority. So we don't have to be afraid. I remember growing up in Chicago, uh, we went to um, the projects. The projects are high rises in Chicago. And um, it was a scary, scary place. And we went there to share the gospel. I didn't want to go because there were uh, shootings there and people had died there. And all I had was a Bible. I didn't have a Glock. I didn't have any of that. I just had a Bible. And we went as a team on a Saturday morning, and, um, and there are times where we went in the evening, and that's like, like, okay, why are you taking us there in the evening? And one time we got stuck in the elevator. And man, if you, man, I prayed a lot that time. <laughs> and we went, and we were able to share the good news. Why? because we went in the authority of the king. And we talked to gangbangers. And we talked to individuals who, who we knew had guns in their, in their waistbands. We got a chance to share the gospel. It's like when you and I believe that we are in the, we're walking in the authority of God, when we're walking in the authority of the risen king, guess what? We don't have to be afraid of where we go. You don't have to be afraid to open your mouth and say, you know something, the God of heaven loves you because we have the authority of Jesus with us. We have the authority of Jesus with us, so we have to believe in the authority of the risen king and really believe it. And the only way we know that we really believe it is to actually go when he says go. So walk thy faith in the context where he's placed us. Here's a second Here's a second thing that it has to be true, that is obey the command of the risen king. So not only do we believe in the authority of the risen king, but we also obey the command of the risen king. The very interesting thing about this passage in Matthew 28 is that make disciples is the main verb. Make disciples is the main verb. Everything else around it supports it, but the, the main command in this passage is make disciples. So what Jesus is actually commanding his followers to do is to produce and reproduce other learners, other apprentices of Jesus. That you and I have a responsibility every day of our lives to actually look at our lives differently and look at our lives in such a way where we say that my whole reason for living is to help other people know Jesus. I know that sounds kind of weird and radical, and yet we can't get around this. There's no way to get around what Jesus is saying here. It is, it is go and make disciples because uh, a, a disciple is someone who is reproducing him or herself. To be a disciple is to make disciples. To be a disciple, to be a learner, to be a, uh, to be a pupil of Jesus is to actually make other disciples. Disciples. So he commanded his followers to reproduce. And so there are three words. There are three words that actually clarify what Jesus means by making disciples. Go, baptize, and teach. Those are, if you, if you remember English, those are participles. Those are things that help the verb. Those are things that clarify the verbs in a sense. And so the first thing is, is the, the word go. Everybody say with me, go. Okay, it's in the, 
Okay, you don't have to go right now, just in a few minutes, all right? It means, it mean, literally means as you're going. So disciple making is not a special event. It is an everyday lifestyle. It doesn't happen here. It just doesn't happen here on Sunday morning. It literally means that when you get ready to leave here and you go home and you get, if you have someone who is not a believer sitting at your table, you're thinking about how and how that person, how God is going to change their lives. When you go to the gym tomorrow and you, you, God is using your gym membership actually as a platform to help people know Jesus. Your job is not just to make money. Your job is a platform by, uh, by which Jesus will use your life to help other people come to know him. That, that yes, you're making money and helping to support your family, but God gave you that job so that, so that maybe, just maybe, as you go into the office, you're praying that their eyes would be open and maybe through your life. And through your testimony. When you go to the grocery store, yes, you're going to get grocery, but it really is an opportunity to ask Jesus when you go, God, show me someone that you want me to talk to. Show me someone that you want me to pray with. That literally every aspect of our lives, what Jesus is saying, as you go about your normal life, I want you to be thinking about making disciples. Whether you're traveling, I want you to be thinking about making disciples. When you get on an airplane and you're sitting next to someone, and I know you want to just close your eyes and rest. Please, nobody talk to me. But even then, he is saying, I want you to think about making disciples. This is a tall order, you all. It's a tall order. Going suggests making disciples that that I am actually rearranging my life in order to help people follow Jesus. It looks like a woman in our church doing a Bible study in her neighborhood, and she's been doing it for the last 20 years. It's a man in our church who meets with his neighbors on his deck every Sunday night, and some of his neighbors are so close to crossing the line of faith that he's rearranged his entire life around that. It is, uh, it is a group of men here on Tuesday night encouraging and challenging one another. It is students inviting their friends into a relationship with Jesus. You heard Belinda talk about that. It is 20 and 30-something-year-old women meeting here on Wednesday evening, helping one another follow Jesus. It is married couples meeting here on Wednesday night, discipling one another through developing healthy marriages. This is another woman and man starting Bible study in their offices. It is a young man pouring out his life and helping students to reach Michigan State and other college-age students with the gospel. It is a man befriending the golf, this golf community so that they might one day hear the gospel. It's happening right here. And if we were to work the room right now, you have stories of how God is using you to make disciples. The, it is as you go. It is as we go. It is, it, is, it is you and I as we work and as we play. There are no vacations from actually making disciples. It, it means supporting efforts to equip indigenous people in their context so that they might share the gospel. It is them helping us to be able to share the gospel. In fact, uh, uh, two, uh, one of our strategic partners or two of our strategic partners are here. And some of you remember um, uh, Bishop Charles and Maggie, and I'm just going to ask them to stand very quickly. They're from Nairobi, Kenya. They're right here in the front. Right here in the front. They are um, leaders at Mamlaka Hill Chapel. They told me last night they're the they're, they're some of the oldest leaders in their church. Kenya is made up of 80% 30 years old and younger. And Mamlaka Hill Chapel, they're taking the gospel everywhere. They're planting churches when churches should not be planted. And yet God is using them and they are blessing us, and we hope to, that we're blessing them. There's this symbiotic relationship that's happening. It is as we go. And they are equipping us. We are equipping them. 
So going is a big deal. Second is the word baptizing, and baptizing is simply, it's, it, baptism is not salvation, it is taking a step in obedience. We did this last week, we baptized 18 people who said yes to Jesus. And so yeah, it's happening. It is, baptism is a way of identifying with Jesus and letting the world know that we are following him. And so baptism, we're going to keep baptizing. And we're going to, in fact, that's what the text says. I want you to baptize them. Keep baptizing people. As they come to know Jesus, baptize them immediately. As they submit their lives to Jesus, baptize them shortly after they come to know Jesus Christ so that they might know and let the world know that they follow Jesus. And then teach them. Teach them how to live. Teach them how to live as Jesus lived. And so Jesus says, what I want you to do, I want you to go in my authority. I want you to obey my command to make disciples as you go. Baptize them when they come to know, when they submit their lives to me. And I want you to teach them how to live. That's what disciple making is. I love what Oswald Smith says. Any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. Let me say that again. Any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission, what we're talking about now in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, then that church has forfeited its biblical right to exist. So if you and I are not making disciples, then we we have no reason to exist as a church. The elders and deacons and every other leader, if we're not doing what Jesus has commanded us to do, then we might as well turn this into a skating rink because we are called to make disciples. And lastly, lastly, rest in the presence of the risen king. Rest in the presence of the risen king. Listen to the verse 20. It says, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. So after we have done all that Jesus has commanded us, and this is what he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus accompanies us as we do his mission. We work for him, but he works in us. We work for him sharing this good news, but he works in us. Why? Because he is forever present with us. As we do this mission, as we make disciples, as we help people to know and follow Jesus, there's not a second where Jesus is not going to be with us and empowering us to carry out his mission. He will always be with us. He's with us always, but there's a supernatural presence with us when we carry out his mission. I hope that we are more like the Carpathia ship than the Californian. I don't know if you know this, but that when the Titanic sank in 1912, there were two ships that had an opportunity to actually help save the Titanic. One ship was called the Californian, And the Californian was 20 miles away from the Titanic. But the the Californian decided that they were going to turn all their radios off. They saw flares and rockets going off on the ship, and then they saw the lights go off on the Titanic. But they didn't think anything of it because the Titanic was that, the ship that would never sink. And so they turned off all the radios and never turned the radios back on and never did they decide to investigate. They were only 20 miles away. But the Carpathia was 58 miles away. Their radios were on 
And they did full bore, full speed. It took them three and a half hours to get to the Titanic. But by that time, it was totally, it had sunk. But they were able to save 705 people because they were not in maintenance mode. They were in mission mode. And I hope that Trinity Church never gets in maintenance mode. I hope we never turn off the radio. I hope we never, ever fail to investigate what's happening in the world. I pray that we are like the Carpathia. I pray that we will see always in mission mode saying, we want to know who doesn't know Jesus. How can we get there? How can we equip ourselves to share this good news? Because we don't want more people to die. I hope, I hope not just as a church, I pray that you are like the Carpathia. I pray that you're not like the Californian, going in maintenance mode, just showing up, showing up and listening to music and hearing a message and then going home. I pray that every day you wake up, every day I wake up, we are in mission mode. God, would you show me someone who needs to hear the gospel? Would you show me someone who needs to hear your love? And may I be a conduit to do so. May I be a conduit to do so. So Trinity Church... Who are we? We are a church that exists to glorify God and make disciples by awakening people to full life with Christ. Our church exists to do exactly what Jesus says, to make disciples, baptizing them, going and baptizing them and teaching them. And if we do that, we can see the mission, his mission accomplished. If you take this verse, these verses, and strip away the going and the teaching and um, the going and the teaching and the baptizing, this verse would read like this. I have given you authority to make disciples and I'll always be with you. That's really what it is. I have given you authority to make disciples. I will, uh, I've given you the authority to make disciples. And guess what? As you make disciples, I will always be with you. I will never leave you. And so Trinity Church, I pray that you and I will take seriously what Jesus has told us. I want to read this quote one more time. Any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. May we never, ever forfeit our right. To exist as a church. How? We go and we make disciples. That's the vision that God has given us. And I pray it's a vision that you and I will never ever tire of going after. So we're going to pray and we're going to ask God through this, through singing together to give us vision, to renew our vision, to restore our vision if we've lost it. The one thing that he's called us to do and that is to make disciples.